Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Tuesday, August the 3rd. We come off a Phillies victory yesterday. How about it? The Phillies, a 7-5 win over the Nats. And the Mets lose to the Marlins. Two and a half back, ladies and gentlemen. This is, uh, look, we've uh, we're, we're complained about the Phillies quite a bit. This year, we will continue to complain about the 500 Phillies again, many times, I'm sure, this year. But I will say, uh, I and look, they've been in it the last couple years, you know, ancillarily speaking, last year, certainly shooting for the, you know, one of the 15 wild cards that were available. And the year before, really, you know, in it for a while. And obviously, 2018 in it until the beginning of September and then just falling apart. But this year, for some reason, I think it's probably because they're fighting for the division for real, and it's been you know only the maybe they could get a wild card the last few years. But it is really fun to to check the Mets scores every night, isn't it? We I've, I'd forgotten what it was like to have that other team in front and you're chasing them, and it's close, and each night it matters. And look, let's not forget about the Braves, even though they are beat up and not as talented at the moment as the Phillies or Mets, which you know saying something. Um, they're hanging too. So we'll dive into the standings a little bit later and really take a look at where we're at and how it shakes out. But it's definitely, uh, it's fun. It's fun to be able to watch the scoreboard again. I had uh, almost forgotten what that felt like, especially with the Mets. The Phillies and the Mets scoreboard watching, we've got a lot of good memories of that. So, uh, you know, the 07 range particularly. Um, so it definitely bringing back some good memories. Um, and again, look, Phillies win last night, needed win. Uh, it was a nice win. You know, last night felt like one of those games where Phillies had a lead the entire game, and then when they lose it in the seventh inning, it's like, well, yep, feels right. That that feels like what the Phillies would do is they would lead this game and then in the end collapse and lose it, and, and they did, but they didn't lose it because they fought back to win a five-run Ninth, what? How about it? How about it, Phils? Down three, two in the ninth, up seven, three, lead in the ninth. Yes, sir. Well done, Philadelphia. What a what a on the road. How about it? Unexpected. Now I'm sure they'll come out tonight and disappoint because that's what they do. But it was a nice win last night. I needed win, and again, it's it really felt like it was going to be a 
a frustrating loss. And whenever that turns into a nice win, that's always a good thing. And runners left on base and opportunities squandered. And it just felt like it was going to be one of those games that we're going to look back on and say, hey, uh, you know, they they started a game with Ranger, which we'll get to. They they had a, basically a a glorified bullpen game, and they only gave up two runs, uh, three runs heading into the you know the ninth inning. They got they got to win this game. How do you not win this game when that's what happens? And the Phillies found a way to win the game unexpectedly in the end. I, I think in the moment, the way it played out certainly felt like they weren't going to win. Let's let's go through the the chronology of the game, and then we'll get to. The Rangers swore the Rangers start and all that, and then later a, a more in depth look at the standings around baseball. Um, but Phillies uh, go out early. Well, really zero zero for a while as these pitchers are battling back and forth. Ranger was great, you know, in three innings. They got three innings from him. only took him thirty three pitches to get through three innings. So theoretically, if Ranger was stretched out and was someone who could go nine, if he had carried up that. Um, pace, granted he would have had a no-hitter, only gave up a walk, no hits, uh, but it would only take him 99 pitches to get through a full game, so so efficient. Nice to see Ranger do that, three innings. Still, we have not had to see him go through the lineup multiple times. That's going to be in our next step. But Ranger keeps him in at three, shutout, then Hector Neris, two shutout. You're feeling good. You're like, all right, through five, and uh, in the top of the fifth, Odubo Herrera just gets enough of one, uh, like a line drive, home run to right field. Wasn't sure it was going to get out, but it did. Nice to see. one nothing. Phils. You're feeling good. Then the sixth inning, Andrew Stevenson, basically a better version of the rare homer. Just a shot right in the left and uh, right field, just gone. It's 1-1. And that was Avenel De Los Santos. Now let's quickly talk about Joe Girardi's bullpen usage in this spot. Why was Eniel De Los Santos in this spot? Now I get it. Like, I just, I don't get why Joe, if a guy pitches... One day, it's just like he's unavailable. Unless he's R.G. Bradley, he's unavailable. Uh, so many guys unavailable. Connor Brogdon, it appeared, were unavailable last night. That would have been the spot you would have expected to see Brogdon come into. Ultimately, it's not. It's Eniel. I Again, no no idea. Eniel Dale Santos says a 7-2 ERA on the season. It makes zero sense that he was brought in that game. And, and again, it's just one of many. Girardi, not only the decisions themselves, the pitchers to use in the spots he uses them, but then the decisions he makes in those spots. We saw it on Saturday night against Pittsburgh. The decision to use Alvarado instead of Ian Kennedy there when you just brought Ian Kennedy here in a tie game and you're going to end up using him the next night in a 15-2 to spot. You don't use Ian Kennedy there. You use Alvarado in a spot where everyone in the world knows that Alvarado is not the right call, especially considering how wild he is. You know, and then That's what, probably why Joe didn't want to walk the bases loaded in that talk because he didn't trust Alvarado or not walk or run him, which is another bad spot to be in. Alvarado has really struggled lately. Struggled again last night. After Eniel, he comes in and gets two outs, gives up two runs. A big two RBI hit to, of course, Ryan Zimmerman. Pinch hitting comes through with a big two RBI hit, and that's when it felt like it was like, oh, no, we're going to lose. Now, to be fair, uh, Alvarado loaded the bases. Archie Bradley was the one who gave up the single to Ryan Zimmerman, came in to get that last out, gives up a single, 3-2. Bradley gets out of the inning, ultimately gets the win, which you love to see, right? That's how it happens. Phillies had two blown saves in this game. Uh, Eniel's a blown save and Archie a blown save, which makes it 25 for the year. If you remember that number from earlier in the year, that has tied the Phillies record, which was in 162 games. So I think unless all of a sudden this bullpen surprises the rest of the year, I think pretty likely this season will be the new record holder for most blown saves in a season by the Phillies. 
Um, but this one didn't end up biting them as the Phillies were able to, to pull the win out as uh, they head into the eighth down 3-2. Uh, can't get anything going. It took uh, four pitches to get through the eighth for the Nationals. But then we get to the ninth. Then we get to the ninth. And oh, buddy, what an exciting ninth inning. And it felt like it was going to be another one of those where, you know, runners on, they're going to screw it. It starts with a, a Torres single. Beautiful, like a little bloop in the, in the left field single. Then Jankowski comes up. Jankowski rips a single as well. First and second in the right field. Not deep enough to get Torres to third, but first and second. No outs. You're feeling good. Gene Segura steps to the plate. And Segura, by the way, they, they took the lead on a Segura wild pitch score in the seventh. I didn't even get that before I gave up the lead. It was 1-1, then it was 2-1, uh, which was an inning where they should add more runs. Uh, bases loaded, one out. They were unable to score more than that. But ultimately, we get to the ninth. Uh, first and second, no outs. Gene Segura, Jimmy Singh steps to the plate, rips a double Scores only one though, so you're you know you're feeling. Uh, scores two, ties it up. Uh, Segura on second, uh, three three game at this point uh, as it tie up. Scores the one, but only ties it up. Doesn't take the lead. Thank goodness, J.D. Romito. So the uh, decision by Dave Martinez backfires. Decides to walk Harper to load the bases. J.T. to the plate. J.T. rips a single to left. Scores two five three. Alec Bohm singles six three. Then a Another run is added in a rundown as a, a double play, but but the runners tagged after the run scores. So seven to three heading into the nineteen. Kennedy does give up a two-run home run to Carter Keyboom, but is still able to close it out. They get the win seven to five. Just a, a massive win for this team. It really was. They needed this win. Um and they need to win games like this, right? You know, obviously it turned out to be that much more important because the, the Mets lost to the Marlins. And the Mets are really doing their part to try and help the Phillies. I mean, we talk about, you know, all you have to do is think about how average the Phillies have been, literally. We know they're a 500 baseball team, but all you have to do is think about how consistently average they've been and how consistently they've stayed between two and four games behind the Mets. It's pretty amazing, right? What does that tell you? And the Mets aren't playing any better than the Phillies. That's where we're at. And the Mets did it again last night, losing the Marlins, which is huge. And But more so, this is a game, look, the Nats are a team that openly admitted that they are not in it this year. They traded away Max Scherzer. They traded away Trey Turner. They said, hey, guess what? We're done for the year. We're rebuilding. We're looking to the future. That's where we are as a franchise right now. Phillies have to take advantage of teams like that. We talk so much about the Phillies' second-half schedule, how great it is, how much of an advantage it is over other teams. That advantage only comes into play if you beat the teams with the worst records. And that has been something that, as we know, the Phillies have struggled to do over the last years and obviously struggled in Pittsburgh to start the after-trade deadline period. They lose 2-3 or there. they got to take advantage of teams like the Nats. They have to. And this is a big series to win three of four. And winning that first game last night was so important. It was so important because, obviously, you lose that game, you got to win the next three if you want to win the series. And this team has to win series. Again, we've, we've talked about this idea many times, but it, it holds true as we have seen very clearly. There's a team that wins and loses, wins and loses, wins and loses. It's not a team that's going to win six, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row to really get on a run and take a lead in the division all that. They're a team that has to win series. 
They have to win two of three, two of three, three of four, two of three, three of four. Like, that's the way they're going to gain games. That's the way they're ultimately going to get to 87, 88, 89, whatever that number is that's going to win the division. If I had to guess, it's somewhere in that range based on where these teams are right now. So the Phillies have to find ways to win series consistently because they are not a team that's just going to rail off a bunch in a row. At least we don't think they are. So... I think, look, last the games like last night are the games they have to win. You know, those type of games where you're in it against a bad team. Um, all right, a few things we'll get to before we look at the standings. Quickly, uh, Andrew McCutcheon to the 10-day IL. That's definitely a, a crushing, crushing injury for this team. McCutcheon has been, after Bryce Harper, their second-best hitter, certainly since June. Um, I mean, the numbers on McCutcheon since June are super impressive. Um, I mean... Like, shockingly impressive. Uh, One of the best hitters in baseball since June 1st, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, Knee inflammation, you know, it's a little worrisome. It is is not the um, same knee, I believe, as the uh, the torn ACL, so that is great news. You know, you worry about that. But um, also, you know, it is... uh, it is a concern, and certainly for someone of his age and all that, you hope it's a precautionary 10-day stint, but it's it's a concern both from the injury itself and both from just how imperative it is that Andrew McCutcheon is on this team, is a part of this team, is contributing because they have he's been so important, as we know. He's been the, the rock. He's been the cleanup hitter. He's been the power hitter. I mean, and with Hoskins, and Hoskins pinch hit last night, which was good to see, struck out, but... Good to see him back. He's had the groin issue, missed the whole weekend in Pittsburgh. The fact that he uh, pinch hit last night was really good to see. It was nice to see him, you know, that he's not that hurt, has to go on the IL, all that type of stuff. But certainly going to need McCutcheon back, er, need Hoskins back and healthy with McCutcheon out. You need that extra bopper in the lineup. So losing McCutcheon is definitely a concern. It's a concern. You hope that it's a, a quick stay on the IL. You hope you get McCutcheon back soon because you need him. And also, look, lineup-wise, it's tough because, you know, like Jankowski and center, Odubel and left a fair amount. I would guess Brad Miller probably gets a starter, two in left field, maybe a Luke Williams in center, Jankowski in left, that kind of stuff, depending on the matchup. Um, but it is certainly, as we know, uh, center field already is thin. Um, you take the left field spot out there, it's, it just thins it out that much more um, from an outfield perspective. So certainly losing McCutcheon does not help this team. They need McCutcheon back quickly. Because, again, they need to keep winning series, winning on a roll. The other big thing from last night, Ranger Suarez getting the start. He did look great. Look, three shutout, uh, one walk, no no hits. I uh, We talked about this a bit yesterday. On the whole, you know, even with last night in there, I don't love the move to put Ranger in the starting rotation. He's been so effective in the role in the bullpen. He gives them something that no one else on the team gives them. He's the only guy who it's felt like all season long you feel comfortable putting into a, a tough inning, a dirty inning, right? It's like bases loaded, no out. He's the guy I want coming in. Two on, one out. He's the guy I want coming in. He seems like he's done that a handful of times this year, and it feels like every time he handles it and he gets out of it, and the, you know we talk about ice in his veins, that's why. And a guy like that's so valuable for a team like that. They don't have anyone else you can really feel comfortable doing that with. Someone who can give you more than an inning, give you – you know, multiple batters when needed, all that type of stuff, and and has had no problem coming in any situation. You hope that Archie Bradley can become that for this team moving forward, and Archie has obviously been significantly better over the second half of, of what we've played already as opposed to the first half of what we played already and after his injury and whatnot, but 
still, Ranger had obviously done it at an elite level this year. Elite. He'd been an elite reliever for this team, to quote Greg Gabe Gabler. Elite. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a risky move to mess with that. And, and look, I get it. Uh, I do understand factually that starting pitcher is more valuable than reliever, flat out. And, and for this Phillies team, they need starting pitching. You know, I think you feel really good about the four, assuming Eflin comes back. And maybe this is a sign that they're more concerned about Eflin than we know. Certainly possible. But if you can get Eplin back, those first four, you feel good about getting innings out of those guys. And Nola looking good the last couple starts. If Nola, I mean... The best thing that could happen to the Phillies at the trade deadline is Nola turns into Nola again. I mean, that's like acquiring a going from a guy with a four six four area up until the trade deadline to, or you know, right to the trade deadline to someone who is um, Aaron Nola potentially could be massive, could be massive for moving this team forward. So, um, but you need that fifth starter, you need those innings. You know, we've all seen quite enough of Chase Anderson and Matt Moore and Vince Velasquez and all that. So I, I get it. And if a Ranger can figure out how to give him 5-6 and, and look like he did last night, that'd be great. It, he still hasn't had to deal with the second, third time through the lineup stuff yet. Um, with any consistency, that's going to be obviously an issue. And he still has to stretch the arm out, which is certainly a, a concern and all that. But, you know, look, Ranger's been great this year. And it's just more that you hope that he can still maintain that elite stuff in a reliever role where he's got to kind of pace himself a little more, maybe not. Max his arm out in the same way. He has to add a pitch in. He's been been rolling with two pitches, all that type of stuff. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it happens. I do think. Look, if Ranger can become a, a solid starter for them, that definitely helps. But you're definitely doing it at the expense of of something you felt good about, especially when you you think about Alvarado last night. I mean, Matt Moore and Jose Alvarado are the only two lefties in the bullpen now, with Suarez now in this this starting role. I mean, think about that. Jose Alvarado has been terrible. I mean, I don't know about you, but Jose Alvarado comes in the game, I feel like he's going to fail. I don't at all feel like any sort of level of confidence that Jose Alvarado is going to get something done or do something right. That's concerning. He's the lefty go-to. I mean, if you need a big out with a lefty, it's going to be him. That's a big concern. And with Suarez, I mean, you had that guy who could get you those big outs and pitch multiple days in a row and seem to have a rubber arm for the most part. I don't know. We'll see. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's a dominant starter and that makes a bigger difference because starters do matter more. But I think it's a risky move to kind of mess with, look, I mean, Ranger has failed as a starter before, right? This is the first time he's really found something that he's been locked in at and been great at. And it just feels like... um, a risky move to move him out of that. We'll see. Look, it looked great last night. They end up winning the game. You'll take it. And again, it was a big, big win last night with the Mets losing. You know, I'm, I don't want to complain. I'm very happy with last night's game. I just am a little concerned about the Ranger move to the to the starting rotation and the, you know, um, ripple down effect of it, so to speak. But um, a win's a win, and I'll take it. And uh, I hope that Ranger, look, Ranger did look great starting. So, you know, at least that side of it is good. Um, and again, they win the game, a, a really, really, really important win. And, you know, you, they need to win games with McCutcheon out. This McCutcheon injury is, is a concern. There's no other way to put it. Like that guy's been so, so, so important. Um, the good thing, you know, Harper has been great. It's been the best offensive version of Bryce Harper we've seen since he's come to Philly. He's batting over 300. He's a 300, 400, 500 guy in terms of his slash. I mean, that's, 
that's legit stuff right there. That's that's very impressive stuff. I mean, you look at those numbers for Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's batting 302 with a 416 on base and a 547 slugging. I mean, that's that's elite stuff. You know, 300, 400, 500 guy is is legit elite. You know, that's that's the goal. That's what you want a guy to be. Um, now the power hasn't been there, but he's been stealing a ton of bases. Um, some it seems like um, lack of mental focus at times, which has been frustrating and different. You know, we felt like he was so locked in the last couple of years, even though he wasn't hitting at the same level we want him to. Now he's hitting at that level, maybe not quite giving everything in the other spot. So hopefully he can kind of put it all together. But um, the power hasn't quite been there, but the, the offense has been great. He has been such a valuable, valuable offensive player for this team, an insanely valuable offensive player for this team. So with McCutcheon out, you really hope to see Harper kind of step up even more, kind of take the reins a little more and really lead this team, both offensively and across the board. JT's been great lately. The five-hit game a couple days ago, another two hits last night, had that monster hit to take the lead in the ninth. Segura obviously can count. Maybe tomorrow we'll dive into some of the team's stats a little more and see who's heading in the right direction, who who could give us more. You know, Alec Bohm's been hitting. I mean, Alec Bohm, the, the power hasn't been there. He's not lifting the ball, but... He's been really good offensively since June 1st. You know, over 300, all that type of stuff. If, if these pieces kind of all fall together, Didi obviously has been the one who's really struggled. Um, but maybe Didi can start to put it together offensively. If not, you still got you got Freddie here, which is great. You got Therese. You got real options defensively. And Freddie, a better offensive player than Therese, at least in theory. Um, so I think they got some options. You know, they've they finally got some options here. They got an offense. Hopefully the defense can be improved with these guys. Um, certainly in center field, by the way. I know Jankowski is, is ultimately, in my mind, a bench player, but Duke plays good day. He really does. And and it's one of those things where when you see Torres playing short, you see Jankowski playing center, and, and when obviously we all know the way Freddie can play short when he does. It really does hammer home how frustrating it was earlier in the year to have not just such bad defense, we all know, and it's not like it's gotten that much better with Boehm and Hoskins and these guys who are still bad. But in terms of, like, the two, other than catcher, you know, which we're good at, the two most important defensive positions in the field up the middle, you know, you got catcher, shortstop, and center field. Shortstop and center field have been played so poorly, so poorly this season that to see guys when they're in there who just make the plays, like the the plays they're supposed to make is really um, it's a lot more exciting than it probably should be. Um, all right, standings. Uh, quick, let's take a quick stroll around the rest of baseball, and then we'll get to the uh, and at least uh, just to take a quick look. And also, as a quick reminder, that the Phillies at fifty three and fifty three would be uh, at least like 10, 11 games out in all these divisions. So it really does hammer home how much of an opportunity the NL East is, and that's why it's worth taking advantage and trying to win this division because, like, you're out of it in any other division. All right, uh, AL East. Uh, still a fight between the Rays and the Red Sox. The Rays at 64 and 43 in first place. The Red Sox one game back at 63 and 44. So the Phillies in that division would be 10 and a half games out of first place. They'd be 10 behind the Boston Red Sox, or excuse me, nine and a half behind the Boston Red Sox. So the season would be over there. Uh, they would be games behind the for the Phillies would be in last place if they were there uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays as the Blue Jays are fifty four and forty nine and eight games out so the Phillies would be ten out so that's tough. Uh, AL Central White Sox cruising sixty two and forty four they're eight and a half games up on the Indians I think we can um pretty much write that one off Phillies would be you know eight games behind or excuse me eight and a half 
nine and a half, eight and a half, excuse me, behind the White Sox, so not ideal there. Uh, West, uh, Astros out in front uh, at 64 and 42, but the A's at 60 and 47, only four and a half back. That's a tough beat there, though they are in, in position to get that second wild card, though the Yankees not that far off them. So that should be a really interesting wild card race there. Uh, National League, the Brewers just continue to pull away in the central. That pitching staff carrying them, they're 64 and 43. Uh, so, yes, the Phillies would be 10 and a half games back of the Brewers in the NL Central. And then, obviously, in the NL West, the uh, Giants still best record in baseball, 67 and 39. The Dodgers, 64 and 43, or three and a half back. And then the Padres, who are 61 and 47, 11 games over 500. And they're seven games back in their division. If the Phillies were in the NL West, they would be. Get ready for it. You ready for how far back? 15 games behind the Giants. Wow. Uh, all right. Um, and at least, though, they're not. They're in it. Thank you, Mets. Mets lose. They're 55 and 50. The Phillies are 53 and 53. They are two and a half back. The Mets, the Braves are three and a half back at the Mets. The Braves only game behind the Phillies. Those three teams really in it, really fighting right now. Washington, six and a half back at the Mets. Miami, 10 and a half back. So, it is, uh, it is a three-team race, and really the Phillies in it. The Phillies have a real chance to not back in the Mets. They just need to keep winning games, keep winning some series, and maybe get on a bit of a series roll here. Win a few series in a row. Plus, of course, as we know, this weekend, home versus the Mets. Biggest series of the season coming up. If they can win three or four versus the Nats and go into this with a chance to take the lead after, can you imagine? What exciting stuff. Let's go, fellas. All right, big one. Tonight, Phillies, Nats, game two of the series as they get back at it in Washington. Again, really need to see them win another. We need it. And luckily, it's Zach Wheeler on though. So Wheeler versus Corbin, you feel good about that. Hopefully, they can get it done. Either way, we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. So until then, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7. Now, later and really. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.